What is up, you guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Glam. If you listened to the last episode, you know that today we are going to be talking about all things social media and how I took a small Instagram account and blew it up into a pretty big Instagram account in less than a year and how I also booked countless weddings and started an education business in the process. So we are going to go over a lot of information today, so have a pen and paper ready and let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to Behind the Glam, where we talk about the glamorous and not so glamorous side of the beauty industry. What is up, my glam squad babes? This is probably take, God, nine. I have actually finished this entire episode, published it, listened to it through and then realized that it was just missing some crucial information and I deleted the whole thing and here we are. Um, I'm almost two weeks into doing this again because I want to make sure that you guys are getting the optimal amount of information from me. So what my initial plan was, this episode was going to be building the business and the next episode was going to be building the brand. I realized after I published it and listened to it through, it is just missing so much because building the brand is crucial in building your business. Before we can get into any of the nitty gritty and how to build your business and how to build your brand, there's one very important thing that we need to do first. And that is determine what your goals are. I know that sounds probably ridiculous, but hear me out. I'm not going to ask you to channel your inner Tony Robbins and do a polar plunge bath at five o'clock in the morning. Yes, he does that. Crazy. Good for him. Not my journey. But I am going to ask you to just take a moment and really think about what you want. If you don't have a clear mindset on what your goals are, what is the point in building your business? What are you building it towards? Now, I don't mean you need to have like a crystal clear outline of what you want right now or a six-year plan or anything like that. But you do need to have somewhat of a larger picture on what is it that you want and what is it that you're working towards. So this is what I suggest that you do. This is what I do and I find it works very, very well. So go ahead and get a paper or if you're like me, open the notes app in your phone. My notes app is slammed with stuff. It is absolutely insane. And what you're going to do is at the very top of that page, you are going to write on there, what would I want to achieve if I knew that every single thing I wrote down on this piece of paper would come true? So the point of that is we tend to, as humans, kind of drown ourselves in self-doubt. And I think when it comes to determining your goals, it is so important to really look at it as if like, if I knew that everything that I wanted to achieve was going to happen, what would I want to have happen? And that is what you need to write down on your paper or in your notes with your business. I want to give you guys a really great example of this. At the end of 2019, I did this and I can tell you what my top three were. Actually, I think I know what my top five were. I do not have the notebook anymore. My daughter decided to uh, take it in color all over it. But my top five were I wanted to have 10,000 followers on Instagram. I wanted to be in Modern Salon's top 100. I wanted to be on Modern Salon's Artist Connective team. And I wanted one of my styles to be a One Shot Awards nomination. And I'm very happy to say that 
all of that happened. And I think all of that happened because I had a clear outline of what I wanted and I was able to work towards that. I did also have on there, like I wanted to book 50 weddings for the year. Um, I personally stopped booking at 50. I usually only do, well, I always only do one wedding per day and like 50 for me is the perfect amount. What else did I have on there? I know I had on there that I wanted to get paid for Instagram content. Um, I wanted to be reposted by certain brands. Um, trying to remember what else. I wish I still had the list. It was fairly long, but I can tell you now. Oh, crap. I might actually have it as a note in my phone. Hold on. Hold on. Ugh, I checked. I don't have it as a note in my phone anymore. I remember I transferred it to paper because I guess I felt like writing it put more oomph into it. But most of the things I wrote on that list I had have happened. And again, I you have to have a clear outline of what you want to accomplish to accomplish those things. Now, your goals might shift. So for example, I don't think I had anything in that list back then about education. And now education is more a part of my business than weddings are. And it's okay if they shift. Just really, when you are writing all of this down, just look at the big picture and think, if I knew every single thing that I wrote down on this paper was going to happen, it was 100% without a doubt going to happen, what would I want? So take a minute do that, do the dun, 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 music in the background, pause this, get that done, and then we'll move on to the next step. So once you go ahead and you have your goals determined, you need to determine what your target audience is based off of those goals. So let's go ahead and say that your goal is to book more weddings. That means that you need to make sure that what you're posting is geared towards brides. It is geared towards the bridal party. You know, very often brides will have their bridal party members help find them vendors and it needs to be geared towards vendors as well. Think about it. Let's pretend your bride books her wedding photographer first and that wedding photographer has seen your work and if she goes, hey, you know, do you have like a list of recommended vendors that you love or you like to work with? That vendor could go, yeah, you should check out so-and-so for hair and makeup and look, you just got another booking. So if you are Mainly focusing on booking more weddings, you need to make sure that what you're posting represents that. On the other end, let's pretend you are wanting to get into education. Where should your post focus be? It should be towards other stylists, other salon owners. So like, let's pretend your main goal is to book weddings. You shouldn't be posting tutorials. That makes no sense because when you're doing that, you are shifting your target audience to stylists. Like no bride is going to sit there and watch your tutorial and be like, oh, cool, let me do that on myself. It's, it's not going to happen. If they can do it on themselves, hire them. But you're almost, I don't like saying wasting your time. Like because myself, for example, I was posting tutorials back when I was mainly trying to book weddings. But if we are transparent, I was terrified of education. So that is a little bit different. But if you are focusing on doing education, you should be posting educational things and hair as well. Like you can't just be like, hey, let me teach you how to do something, but you don't show off any of your work, you know? Let's pretend you want to be an influencer. You need to be making sure that your posts would look beautiful to brands and would represent what they represent. So like if there is a fun brand, for example, this is the first thing I can think of off the top of my head, Pulp Riot. Pulp Riot is all beautiful, big, bold colors. Like, yeah, they have 
regular balayages and stuff too. But if you really would want to get Pulp Riot's attention, you are more likely to do it with what their main brand is, which is pinks and greens and bright neon colors than you would just like a blonde highlight. So the big thing to think about when posting is, is what I am posting going to attract the target audience that I want in my chair? Before I go into the next step, if that last little clip segment was really loud, it's because I accidentally messed with the recording volume and I like the segment and I've seriously been working on this podcast episode for weeks now and we're going to keep it. But if it was too loud, I'm sorry. So now that we have the first two steps figured out, which are figuring out our goals and figuring out our target audience, the other like I feel like this is a triple whammy here. The other part of this triple whammy that is important is your brand. Your brand is what sets you apart from everybody else, okay? So let's go into a little bit more detail on what branding is. First things first, branding is more than a logo. I We need to get past that like early 2000s mindset of branding is a logo in some fonts. That's not how this works, you guys. You are your brand, plain and simple. So for example, for my brand, you guys know I'm transparent. You guys know I will pretty much tell you anything uh, if you ask it, as long as it's appropriate. And I am not gatekeeping information. My brand is I am outgoing. I'm obnoxious. You know, like I'm fun. You know, I'm going to be goofy and talking with my hands all over the place. I'm real and I want to come off and I hope I come off and this is something I always try to make sure I aim for that I am somebody that you could sit down and have a drink with and you know we're going to have fun but we're going to be real at the same time. So your brand is your vibe and what you create, right? So with Bridal Hair by Caitlin, you know what to expect. When you are scrolling through Instagram, you should be able to pick out what is my post before seeing my name under it. You know what styles I do. You know what signature looks I have. You know what I offer. You know, like your brand is what sets you apart from the girl who is two posts above and underneath you. And it gives you your own like signature vibe that stands out. When you are trying to narrow down your brand or create your brand, there are a couple things that you do need to take into consideration for that. So first things first, I think that you, you should be the forefront of your brand. That is pretty hard if you have a team or a salon, but if you are an individual stylist or makeup artist, you should be the front person of it. Um, This is just a little side note. But a great example of this, your logo should not be your profile picture if it is your brand. You should be your profile picture. I found back in the day, so a couple years ago, when my business was Pink Blush Hair Artistry, I did not get nearly as much traction on my account until I switched it to Bridal Hair by Caitlin because it takes your account from feeling like a business run account and it makes it personal and people are more likely to follow someone personal and relatable than they are what seems like a brand with five people running the Instagram account. Now, your brand will not just come into play with your Instagram and what you're posting. Your brand almost more importantly, now we're going to say equal because like your Instagram can lead you to the website. Your website is unbelievably important. And if you do not have a website, you need to get one. And when you get a website, please do a custom domain. Don't do like blah, 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 blah at Wix.com or whatever. Pay the $20 for the custom domain because then it looks 
professional and your website needs to look professional. I understand they're hard to do. I understand a lot of people don't have like a natural knack for how to do it. Um, all of us early millennials who used to code our MySpace, for the most part, we got it. But if you don't know how to do it, hire somebody to help, watch YouTube videos. You, you just have to make a website, okay? Your website is what makes you look professional, right? You're going to put an inquiry form on there. People are going to inquire through there. Another little side tangent here, you should not be taking inquiries through DMs. I'm not going to DM Domino's and ask for a pizza. You should not have people DMing you, asking you to book wedding services. Make an inquiry form and do it through there, which is going to lead us into the things that I think you have to have on a website to make yourself in your life easier and to make everything come off more professional. Number one, clear branding, okay? I think that your Instagram should correlate with your website. You should have the same font. You should have the same vibe. You should have the same color scheme. Like my color schemes are like pinks and animal print because I love animal print. And that's just me. You know you're going to click on one thing and you're going to see the other thing. I actually have the hex code, which is like the color code for the pink on my website. And it is the same color code I use for my branding on my Instagram. I use the same font. I use the same everything. So we have one cohesive flow of of Bridal Hair by Caitlin. So make sure that your pages look similar, number one. Number two, these are gonna be the things that I think you have to have online. And if you don't do this, I think you're just making your life way more difficult, okay? Put your rates on your website. If I am ever looking for a service or something from somebody and I do not see their rates on their website, I immediately assume they're astronomically expensive. Because why else would they be scared to put them up there? Okay? That is like, I think the first vibe you're giving off is I'm trying to bait you into my inbox with pretty high rates because my rates aren't up there and they're secretive. And once I get you in my inbox, I'm going to try to convince you to book and blah, blah, blah. Like that is the total vibe that that gives off. If you also do not have your rates on your website, you start to flood your inbox with inquiries of people who probably aren't going to book you. When you have your rates up front and up center, up center, <laughs> up front and right there for your people to see, you will then weed out unnecessary inquiries that are going to ghost you because you are out of their price range. You are going to have a niche of people and you don't want the budget bride who wants to pay $45 for an updo want to book you and your prices are two, three times that, then you're just, you're wasting both of your times. Put your rates online. Also, put all of your policies online. If you do not have policies, you need to make some. I'm going to read through a couple of mine. I am more than happy if you want to take some of mine and put them on your website. Just please don't copy and paste it word for word. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody literally completely copy my website word for word, pages, everything, and like not ask me ahead of time if they can, I would have a lot of money. I normally will block that person afterwards, honestly, but my ADD is clicking in. Let's go over some of the policies that I have with on my website and my business that I think that you need to have with yours. Policy number one is you need to require a retainer or booking deposit and a contract for your big day. Okay, as far as I'm concerned, your big day doesn't exist in my mind as booked until I have received both. So 
I will ask for the bride to put a 50% non-refundable, non-transferable retainer in a signed contract down to reserve her wedding date. When my bride books a day, that whole day is hers. I do not book multiple weddings during that day. That allows me to not stress trying to get from one place to another. And that also allows my bride to know that there's flexibility in her schedule and I am hers no matter what she needs from me. If you are just starting out in your business, um, my personal opinion would be don't start with a 50% non-refundable retainer. I did not do that until later on. Um, I actually think that that is what saved my ass during COVID. I initially only allowed, um, not only allowed, but I did a $100 retainer and that $100 was deducted from the bride's hair on the wedding day service. My wedding hair back then was $150. So she would put the $100 down up front and then pay the remaining balance, which was the $50 plus anything else on the wedding day. Um, the reason that I'm doing, I, I would just suggest that if you're starting off is like you don't want to be in a situation where you aren't booking a lot of weddings and there's something that comes up like you're sick or something like that and you have to refund a lot of money that you don't have. Like $100 starting off is pretty good. It's pretty reasonable. Now, you need to make sure that you clarify that that is non-refundable no matter what. Like I even had in my contract that it stated if you cancel for under any circumstances, it doesn't matter what it is, it was non-refundable. You also need to clarify that it is non-transferable. That means if you need to change your wedding date, you are going to need to put a new deposit down on a new date. When you are reserving, you are reserving that date. You're not reserving me as a whole to do your hair. You are reserving April blah, 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 blah as your wedding date. If you transfer it, you need a new one. In addition to that, I am kind of doing what the step is I should have done first, which is going over what's on the inquiry form. Um, I put a lot of stuff on my inquiry form, such as how many people are getting ready, what time do you need to be finished by, what time would you like to start by, what time will your photographer be there, um, stuff like that. But one thing I have at the very, very top of my inquiry form is that all of my communication has to be with the bride. If you are a mom or you are a wedding planner or the maid of honor or whatever, I will not communicate with you. I will let you know I need to speak to the bride about this because once you start doing like a middleman thing, booking gets very complicated. Things get lost in translation. And like my job here is not just to do great hair, but it is to create a personalized relationship with that bride. And I can't do that through your mom. The next policy that I have is about bridal trials slash bridal previews, whatever you want to call it. I do not offer a bridal trial until your wedding day is booked. So that is exclusive to my brides, which means you cannot do the trial first and then reserve your date after. The reason that I do this is most of my brides are booking me a year, a year and a half out. That is way too damn soon to do a trial like way too soon. Your Pinterest is going to want to make you change your mind a hundred times in that year and a half before your wedding date, even if you loved your trial. It is also very important to make sure that you are doing a trial near the wedding date so that you have the same season and all of that stuff going on. Because why would you do a trial in January for your hair if you're getting married in July when it's going to be humid as hell? It makes absolutely no sense. Um, my bridal trials are also separate from my wedding day services, meaning it is not included in the rate. You are going to be paying a separate fee for your trial. Um, I do not offer trials to 
family or bridal party members, I'm so sorry to say it blunt like this. It's not your day. If you feel like you need a trial, like that is just already giving off the most high maintenance vibes ever. And the truth is like anytime I've ever done a trial for a mom or anybody in the family or in the bridal party, the style that they're giving me is way too intricate and complicated anyway for the time slot we have. And like, again, this is about the bride respectfully this isn't about uh you so um i did also used to make my trials mandatory they're no longer mandatory because i was starting to book a lot of out-of-state weddings and i'm not going to travel let's say 10 hours back to virginia to do a trial or expect you to come to me the next policy i have and this is one that i think that everybody ha needs to have and if you don't like i can't press this one enough is you need to have a service minimum if you are only booking one wedding per day you should not be taking one or two people. I even think if you're doing multiple weddings per day, like the time that it would take you to travel to somebody, do that one person and then travel back is a waste of your time. Uh, you're going to eventually get very, very burnt out by that. So I require a service minimum of the bride plus four. Why do I clarify it as the bride plus four? Because I've had a lot of inquiries where somebody will have somebody booked just for the bride to do the hair and then they want somebody else to do the bridal party. No, like I'm not trying to sound ridiculous or anything, but like I'm not doing that. If you're booking me, you are booking me for the bride and for everybody else. So with my rates, the bride plus four works out completely perfectly. Now let's pretend that they can't meet that service minimum. The bride has the option to either fill in that spot and find somebody like Aunt Cheryl to meet the service minimum or she can pay that covered balance that would be missed. I will not book it otherwise. Um, again, I have to be very careful how I word things because I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I do want to sound straightforward. I think that hair and makeup people often get the shit end of the stick. Like you're not going to negotiate your pricing or the policies with the photographer or the baker or the person doing your dress. The only time I ever hear it happening is with hair and makeup. So you could find somebody to fill in that spot if it's important enough to you. The next policy I have is about my rates uh, in payment. All the rates I have posted on my website are final and they're non-negotiable. So the desired hairstyle, hair length, or hair thickness will not result in a change of pricing. That means if your hair is at your chin and you want it curled, it's going to cost the same amount as somebody with a normal hair length getting an updo. If I am touching your hair, that is what the base rate is and that will not change. I know people might think that's obnoxious, but again, it's you want to get your hair done, that's what it's going to cost. If not, I can recommend a good curling iron for you to buy and you can do it yourself. Now, my rates online are subject to change at any time. They are only guaranteed if they are on a contract, meaning let's pretend I have a bride who inquires uh, one month, it's one rates and she comes back six months later and she asks for the old rates. Nope, it, the rate will only be what it is on your contract. Now, another important thing about rates and like this is so important. I have this on my website. I hear this complaint a lot, but my rates are non-negotiable. And if you inquire with me and you try to negotiate my pricing with me, I will decline your booking. Sometimes I won't even respond. We are like we are not in a country where we are bargaining how much a purse costs. Like you are not negotiating that with me and I'm not going to 
put up with that because I feel like that is so disrespectful to say to an artist, hi, I just, I love your work. I would love for you to do it, but I don't think you're worth that. Like that is so damn disrespectful to me. And I just don't, I, I'm sorry, I've been doing this way too long to even entertain that bullshit at this point. Um, but more things on my rates. My final payment for it is due um, no later than the day prior to the wedding day. I know some people will require it two weeks or a month before. I require it under one payment. I will send a square invoice link to that bride directly. Um, how she collects that money is on her and it will be one direct payment through that invoice to me. If it is not submitted the day before the wedding, we are going to have a, I don't want to say a problem, but I'm not showing up unless I'm getting paid, right? So the next thing in regards to payment is travel rates. This is something that I probably have a different mindset on than other people because I've seen other people's travel rates. But having an on-site hair and makeup artist is a luxury service the same way it is Getting hair extensions is a luxury service. So my travel rates start at $50 per hour, meaning that is an automatic fee that is put onto this whatever rate thing, no matter what, is we're starting at $50 per hour of travel. Anything past two hours, we're going to have to discuss because that is a lot of driving. Think about it. A location two hours away equals four hours of driving. Let's pretend you want me there until really late. Like I'm not driving in the middle of the night. Um, so that might require hotel accommodations. If the wedding is super far away, other travel expenses such as flight and transportation and food and stuff will be added to that as well. Next up on things I think you need on your website is a frequently asked questions section. So think of everything that anybody's ever asked you and uh, throw it on there. My whole point and purpose of my website is to have so much information out there that you literally do not need to ask me any questions other than like styling questions. Everything for me is all about transparency and upfront and I'm giving you as much information as I can so that you don't have questions so that I don't feel bombarded with 90 brides asking like the same thing. So if you have a frequently asked questions page and it's up there, easier for them to see, saves your inbox from flooding and saves your mental health. So now that we've gone over some of the website portion, let's take it back to Instagram and things that just little tips and tricks that I think that are very helpful with growing your Instagram account and your business. The number one out of all of them is be social. It's called social media. Be social. Now, social can mean a couple different things. I don't think that means responding to every single comment and every single message. Um, I, I do want to say this. I don't feel like this is talked enough about on the, I'm air quoting, influencer side of things. But like one of the biggest things I feel guilty about with my account is there's no way in hell for me to keep up with all of my messages. I even just the other day was looking through my message request folder and there was like hundreds of requests and I just deleted them all because like I can't even comprehend going through that. That was about two days ago and I checked earlier and I'm back to 72 message requests. So be patient with the accounts that are a little bit bigger. We It is hard to keep up with everything. But um, you can also be social with actually posting on your stories and talking and like being a person, not a robot. Um, but with being social, there is a line. And that line is please don't come off as desperate. A couple things that I see as that are not good for your Instagram that just look crazy desperate is spam liking. 
like liking like 20, 30 posts in a row. I'm not kidding. This might sound messed up, but like I blocked people immediately for that before. I remember one time I had a girl, she probably liked 75 posts in a row. And it's like, I appreciate that, but holy shit. And I had to block her because I was sick on my phone, just like going off and off and off and off nonstop. Um, Don't spam like. Another thing I see happen all the time, and it just doesn't seem genuine. You guys, like, you are not going to grow your account if you don't seem genuine and authentic. It's when people with smaller accounts will, like, constantly share work of larger accounts and tag it in their stories in hopes that that larger account will then reshare it to their story, and now their story is being broadcasted to, like, a bunch of people. Like, that to me, it just seems very... Um, obviously thirsty and desperate. And there are other ways to do this. You don't have to be like, look at me, look at me. Hi, I'm here. Like your work should speak for itself. And I know that's hard to say that because Instagram is like this giant pool and everybody is wanting their stuff to be seen, but you are going to have more of a negative effect, spam liking and just overly kissing ass than you are being genuine and just being patient. So another little tip with Instagram is Instagram captions. Instagram captions can also look very not authentic and like programmed. Um, I remember seeing someone teach like social media a while ago and they were saying how you should ask a question in your caption because that'll get more people when they answer it to comment and it will like boost you on the feed. Like don't don't do that. Like that anytime I see that I'm like you respectfully probably don't actually care what somebody did this weekend or whatever like don't do that if you find yourself struggling with captions um i would just recommend just doing talk to text on your phone like hit the little microphone and just talk as you would and have it type it out and fix the punctuation and you're good to go but the biggest thing with captions unless you are posting like an actual educational caption I'm just going to drop this truth bomb. Nobody fucking reads them. I I can't even, nobody reads the caption past what needs to be read for you to click like see more to see the remaining part of the caption. And I know this because anytime I post a picture of something and let's say it's a style, I always tag what the doll head is and what products I'm using and stuff like that. And if I were to do one post, I promise you I'm getting 12 messages slash comments from people like, hey, hey, what doll head is this? And it's like, it's in the caption. It's there. You just had to click one more button. So my point in saying that is actually don't stress out on the captions too much because I feel like half of the people don't read them anyway. Um, Now, At the same time, if you were like trying to mainly book brides, like it is important to do like cute little captions and stuff like that to like snatch them into you. But I really, even if I say that, I just don't, I don't think the captions are too important and I wouldn't be too upset if Instagram got rid of them. I really freaking hope that there is some order and you guys are taking something from this because like I have notes. I don't know if you can hear them. I have notes on what I wanted to talk about, but I swear to you, like my brain will just get going. It'll just get going and then I will feel like it's not organized, but I have to get this up. I've been wanting to get this podcast up for like literal weeks. It is very hard to do with a baby and a toddler and when my three other little kiddos are here and dogs and all that stuff. But 
So this is what it is. I hope you guys are getting something from it. We are not done yet though. Don't worry. Now we are focusing a lot on Instagram. Let's switch it over to Facebook. And now this one, and God, I wish I didn't put this at the 31 minute mark of this podcast. Facebook to me was actually what grew my actual business side itself because there is something called wedding resale Facebook groups. Okay, so for example, the ones that I remember are in Virginia. There was a Virginia wedding resale group. And what happens is brides will go on there. Sorry, my email just went off. Um, there are brides that will go on there and they will be there to like resell shit. But they're also there looking for recommendations on vendors. So there was one day my Facebook notifications were blowing up and I had one of my photographer friends tag me in a post where somebody was looking for a hairstylist. And then, you know, oh, cool. So then I get on there and I'll drop my Instagram and my website. And then from there, the magic happens. So what happens in these groups are you will constantly see more people getting added to the group as they get engaged. And they will go to the search bar on the top of the Facebook group and type in like hair. And then they will see all of these previous post recommendations come up and your work is there. There was a point where I was getting like no shit, like seven new inquiries a week. And all of them were coming from wedding resale groups. So I highly recommend going onto Facebook, typing in your city, typing in surrounding cities that are within your travel range, adding those resale groups and putting yourself out there because that is like walking into a wedding convention and being like, hey, but it's free. Now, there are definitely other accounts, uh, not accounts, I'm sorry, social platforms that you can use as well to help promote yourself in your business, such as like Pinterest um, and YouTube and I guess Twitter, I can't really see Twitter. Uh, for sure, TikTok. TikTok scares me uh, just because people on there are mean. So if you blow up using TikTok, I'm going to give you a, a round of applause because that account scares the shit out of me. But there are other ways to do it. Um, I know if you are fairly new to this, one thing that you always hear is, what about wedding wire in the knot? Don't do it. I don't, I only know like one person that actually successfully gets inquiries from there and that's it. I've heard nothing but horrible things about it. Um, I know that you have to pay for a monthly account and the more money you pay, the more it moves you to like the first couple pages of like the search results. And like, that's ridiculous. I remember looking and I swear to God, it was like 300 or $500 a month to be put on the first page of that and then a lot of the inquiries you're getting are spam or just price shopping and there's just you shouldn't I no I actually feel like those companies are scams and in a couple years are going to get sued and shut down so stay away from places like the wedding wire in the knot I also think that just Instagram and social media and hashtags and like again everything we've talked about your brand is what's going to attract your dream brides. You are going to find that bride that vibes with you, that thinks you're fun and they thinks you're great. And you are more likely to get yourself and your personality across through something like Instagram or Facebook than you are something very mechanically feeling like wedding wire in the knot. So as I am going through my notes, I do feel like I have covered most of everything on kind of how I built my business and how I built my brand and my website and all of that good stuff. I really, really hope that somebody takes something from this episode. I just want 
trying to figure out the best way to say this, and I, and I really hope this comes clear across this for you guys. I want to be real, and I want to talk about the things that people are scared to talk about or we feel like we have to tiptoe it around. I know like when I was starting my business, I felt overwhelmed as hell. I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. I am just hoping for the absolute damn best and failing along the way. And I want to be there to help you not fail as much. I want to be there to help you guys grow your accounts and grow your business and understand social media a little bit more. And I pray that you guys at least took one good thing from 36 minutes of me talking. So thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys in the very, very next episode, which hopefully does not take me as long to film. I love you guys and bye.